to the Mother Loving Future Show, hosted by Amber Strange and Jenna Penrose, two mothers and detectives dedicated to fully embodying a new paradigm of conscious parenting, deeper relationships, healing ourselves into radiant health, and epic answers to age-old enigmas. Get ready to get your mind blown. Because this week's episode starts in three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show. We are so happy that you've joined us. I'm looking at you two as well, just so you know. You three. Sorry, Jenna, don't want to leave you out. <laughs> We're your hosts, Amber and Jenna. Woohoo! And today we have the pleasure of speaking with two of the finest ladies in town, Sarah and Ciela. They just both did a little bow. The founders of Joan of Spark. We are going to get really deep into this incredible topic, the guru-free approach, which Joan of Spark was created, birthed out of. Before we get into the good stuff, Jenna, would you like to introduce our guests to our audience? Absolutely. So um, our guests today are Sarah and Ciela. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about both of them and a little bit about their joint venture. So Sarah um, draws upon her studies in philosophy, religion, and depth psychology at the University of Philosophical Research and Pacifica Graduate Institute. She has been a lifelong seeker of truth with an insatiable sense for self-discovery that led her to travel around the world to study meditation, shamanism, classical Indian dance, and transpersonal states of consciousness, among other things. Ciela weaves her inner work and creative inspiration through her daily experience with a contagious enthusiasm for storytelling and artistic expression. As a psychogenesis explorer and haiku poet, part ancient future, part seagoat, and part revolutionary, she is constantly unraveling and deep diving on the daily to continue to know herself even more. Can I just give a round of applause to those bios? Oh my gosh, I want to be you too. Okay, so awesome. Um, and together, um, Sarah and Ciela are co-founders of Joan of Spark. And Joan of Spark is a digital platform for empowering a global collective of women through tools of self-inquiry and astrology-based resources. They are bringing forth a new methodology of peer-to-peer coaching, which is disrupting and redefining the self-help industry. And we are so excited to have them with us to talk about this very pertinent topic. So thank you guys for being here. Welcome you two. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be timid now. Come on, Sarah. I've never experienced someone reading a bio like that in front of me. So it's like, okay, I I can, I can take that in. (laughs) That's you. I wrote it. I wrote that bio. (laughs) Wow. We are so glad we're all in the same city because Ciela, you're usually based up in Jackson you have been in New York and we were just talking that even though you've been there for a month, there's no New York burnout plastered anywhere on your face. You are glowing and as shiny and beautiful as ever. Fresh as a daisy, pink pearl. And Sarah, who's in the midst of major motherhood in the first, um, under the first year, you are a vision as always. Could not be more lovely. And my sister-in-law, by the way, I'm very (laughs) proud of that. I love you. (laughs) We got so lucky with that. Okay, so definition time, the guru-free approach. Let's clear this up. Okay, so this is my definition, and you guys are feel free to jump in and add or take away anything that you feel. Um, Okay, so here's my definition. 
of the guru-free approach, an approach to connecting with the divine that requires no intermediaries. No gurus, priests, or spiritual leaders need to be the middleman in your connection with spirit anymore. We are in a time of mass awakening where many people are waking up to the fact that they can have a direct and conscious connection with spiritual forces through meditative practice and the gateway of the heart. You're right, Sarah. That needs a spiritual clap. Ready? Amazing. <laughs> Do you guys want to add anything to that? I mean, that was, that was uh, like a mirror. Right, uh, as you mentioned, Jonas Spark is born out of this guru-free philosophy, which for us uh, we really see that there's a new way of learning and a new way of teaching that empowers individuals rather than creating codependent dynamics. So, are you saying there's an element of handing your power away when you fall under the guru approach? Right, we look at it as a guru model. So, a lot of popular coaching today, for example, um, not just in coaching. I mean, it can be. In relationship, it can be in brands, it can be um, in anywhere where we're giving our power away. But it, as far as the guru model, it's one personality with power and information that other people are seeking and lose sight that they actually have that power within themselves. Mm -hmm. Happens in the medical industry too, I might add. <laughs> we're a bit obsessed with that topic right now. Heal yourself now. Look out for our next podcast. So let's start with the very basic question. What does the word guru mean to you? You've, you've just explained to us a little bit about it. Is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, so our guru-free philosophy actually says the true guru is within you. So guru has this heavy connotation of wisdom, of knowledge, right? Um, and we are just here to bring this conversation to the collective, to have a dialogue around that. What does guru mean? What does it mean to you? So guru-free philosophy does not mean that we are anti-teacher, right? It doesn't mean that we're anti-leader. It just means that it is there is a tendency within humanity to give our power away. So let's look at that. Let's look where we've each of one of us have given our power away in our lives and reclaim it. Well, let's look at that. Do you guys want to speak to some personal experiences? And Jenna, you and I can jump in here as well, so you guys aren't totally on blast. But whoever's inspired, give us your personal experience on this topic and how you came to be sitting where you are today, which is the guru-free approach. Well, if CL is open to sharing, since she really spearheaded the vision of Joan of Spark and has such an interesting life experience to speak to um, around this topic. Um, you want to start by saying anything? The invitation from the Sagittarius, <laughs> the private investigator, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah handed that over very quickly. Yeah. So I've been a seeker for most of my life. And um, there was a time where I felt that I had found exactly what I was looking for, which was phenomenal to actually feel that um, sense of peace and acceptance and wholeness within a philosophy, within a community um, where life um, suddenly made sense. I felt on purpose, um, surrounded by people that felt the same way. Um, and it was a ride. Um, it was extraordinary. And so I was kind of brought into a community and 
had the privilege at the time to to work for that community, not only to study, and I'm an um, insatiable student, but to study deeply um, world religion, synthesis of cultures and religion, and to also really be around other people who were seeking as 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 I was, um, which you know I was just unquenchable. I couldn't stop. And, and so there was a, a power there. There was um, a generative energy um, that made, made it seem that um, anything was possible. And especially juxtaposed in the world that we're in today, it felt very hopeful. And there was a lot that touched my heart so deeply. There were deep woven truths of um, knowledge based on sacred texts and, um, you know, certain parts of myself felt that they were waking up to something. And, um, you know, I went through that period of time, um, not only studying, then working, then literally becoming uh, a leader and a part of it, uh, marrying into the organization. And it was... um, it was extremely challenging for me because there were there were um, definitely moments that felt questionable, and yet the the way that the teachings were um, pointed was that anything that was questionable was really about me. Like I was the one who um, it was my ego, or it was it was something in me that was innately wrong that was broken. And um, so I was str- str- literally striving to work, to help, to to rebuild and to basically beg for forgiveness all the time. And, um, but on the surface, because it was so light-filled and colorful and beautiful, I really felt a deep sense of responsibility to this community to show up no matter what. And unfortunately, I'm also uh, loyal to a fault and stronger than I even knew. that. So I find a lot of women are so strong that we end up putting up with um, situations that may be very compromising um, for too long. And I definitely did that. And just to be clear, we're talking about a context of a community where there is one person who is kind of the the, the wise one the that everyone's the, the guru, and yeah. then a whole bunch of students. And so the, this is the context that we're, that we're discussing. And you are basically the guru's right-hand man. Would you say that is where you're your position was in that community? Yeah, I became his wife. The right-hand lady. <laughs> and and so uh, I learned so much in that experience, um, really getting inside of a community, a spiritual community, seeing the inner workings. I was very passionate about what I was in charge of, which was a nonprofit to preserve the sacred traditions of indigenous cultures, working with children monks um, from the Tibetan refugees in South India, the Caro Nation in Peru. Um, It was so fulfilling. And to be surrounded by people that I deeply, deeply still love and care about. Um, And then something went awry. 
And I'm so incredibly grateful for that. But there was a moment that literally the whole thing fell apart for me. And uh, suddenly I was faced with losing everything that I cared about, everything that I had made a priority of my life, my husband, my homes, my livelihood, my community. Um, suddenly it was gone. Sounds like Saturn's return hit you a bit late. <laughs> can be harsh, that, that breakdown. But ready, I'm waiting for, for the breakthrough because I know that's on the other side for something that massive, your whole life reset is around the corner. Yeah, it, it actually felt as if I died but mm -hmm. was still alive, right? And I know that we probably have those experiences if you if your house burns down, you that if you're identified with all of your things, right? I was very much identified with my role as a wife. I was identified with the community members um, as my family. I was identified with uh, where I lived and uh, yeah, so I got to die. And in that, I got to go home where I grew up, which I was never part of our kind of tour, right? I was never um, really allowed, so to speak, to go back to where I grew up. And so I, I crawled back there and uh, was able to really regenerate. And that was, you know, from the mountains and the rivers. And I live in Jackson Hole and it's one of the most beautiful places on the planet. And there I went into a cocoon of sorts and got to really reflect deeply on my experience and where I had um, gone and what took me there. What was it that attracted me to this kind of community, this kind of these teachings, a guru, right? What was I seeking outside of myself to be fulfilled? Um, where was I giving all of my resources, all of my money, all of my energy, all of my entire existence. Um, why? Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like there are two factors in this equation. There's the teachings and the wisdoms that you're exploring and the study and the community and the enriching journey, inward journey that you're going on which you seemed from what you've explained to be in total resonance with. And then there was the, the guru um, construct of that, that framework in which you were exploring everything, which something happened there where you lost faith in that model. Is mm -hmm. How did you come to step out of that family really that you had created when you were so in alignment with all of the teachings and the inward journey? What, what was the thing that didn't sit right with you in the guru philosophy that was enough for you to just step away and start searching that inner world without the context of the guru? To me, it comes to values and principles. And I realized that I had bent my values and principles in order to align with his. And there was an extreme cost for that. And when I was able to have this, uh, what I, I say, it's the hardest thing that ever happened to me, that the best thing that ever happened to me, right? When the veil was pierced, because I didn't know I was in this situation, you know, I, I, I was... Uh, Definitely, I had lost the ability to think for myself. Um, 
so then I, I, I came into alignment with, with my, with my true values and principles and I no longer could stand there. Mm -hmm. What I want to know is what is the process? Because obviously you're a very strong woman, a spiritual seeker at heart. What was the process where you sort of like slowly and systematically were, um, compelled to bend your principles? Like how did the guru, um, kind of manipulate you into being someone that you didn't want to be, let's just say? It's a really good question because I've, um, become, um, pretty in a, a student of this, let's say I've, I've been watching and observing how this is a very common story. It's a very common story. And, so what is it that is inside of us that it's so common, in fact, that it's not exclusive to a spiritual teacher. It's something that we can all do in love relationships or with teachers or even with friends that we admire and put up on a pedestal, yeah. give our power away to. Yeah, absolutely. Being there, done that, never yeah. turns out pretty. No. No. <laughs> How did he systematically get you to compromise <clears throat> your values? Right. So in the study of how we give our power away, when I've observed this, there's this innate sense of wanting to belong, right? Um, and also there's this kind of um, deep attraction to that which feels is familiar. And so for me, I had a deep attraction to that which felt familiar and it filled a void so to speak, temporarily, um, not truly, but where I was actually looking for God, there are many people and many kind of, you know, as Sarah mentioned, it could be, it doesn't have to be just a guru, so to speak. Um, but there are those who are looking to step in and become an intermediary, right? They're like, oh, this is an opportunity, really, because these people are innocent seekers or they're truly, truly looking for something. I can capitalize on that, right? So I think in, in essence, it's a business. I see it a lot. Um, and mostly it happens uh, around personal gain, manipulation for personal gain, for financial reward, for power, sex, et cetera. Um, it's happening all over the place and it's happening more and more in the sense of the collective that we're seeing it now. I think it's always been happening. But so do you think mm -hmm. that's intentional? Because when I think about it, I think about it's dangerous to claim yourself as a guru or take that seat as a person with all the answers and the only one that can channel the divine, the exclusive one closest to source, which, which has all the secrets, which everyone wants. It's dangerous even if you authentically believe that story, which I'm sure a lot of people authentically believe they are the chosen one, let's just say. It's dangerous because we're still human. There's still that element of the ego, which is so tricky. As you know, the, your studies were all based in the ego and watching it and studying it and knowing if we can kill it or if we can tame it. So I can imagine even people who are wanting to do well in the world, there is a contamination with their filter because we have the ego. So I don't know. And, and you're saying that people go out intentionally to take advantage of people who are looking 
who are seekers and looking for someone with the answers. How would that show up? What should people be looking out for? Are there some red flags that that we can all look to to avoid falling into that type of brainwashing trap? If they call themselves a guru, it's a red flag for me. <laughs> Number one red flag. Amen. <laughs> okay. Guru, master. Yeah, master, even worse. Um, yeah, well, to to touch on that, um, well, actually, to go back to what Jenna was asking, um, there's a way in which uh, these a lot of the, these types they know what to look for. They either study psychology or they're you know they're very immersed in the human experience and what I've seen is that oftentimes they will befriend you, become close to you, become your mentor, your guide, et cetera, et cetera, gain your trust, find your weakness, and then utilize that weakness to control you. Wow. And that's all intentional? You don't think that's a subconscious thing? Well, also to go back to what you were saying, I think they have to believe their own lie in order to live it, right? But let's think of an actor, they, they put on the face, they put on the personality in order to become that character, right? That's called narcissism, right? Could be. Like you don't know, you can't recognize the, the manipulation, power, control games that you're running because you can't afford to. You have to believe your own, your own act. Yeah. Part of what I think is really interesting about this is the use of truth to manipulate. And something I've seen in myself is when someone charismatically with confidence speaks something that is fundamentally true and resonates into the depth of my uh, bones, it's easy for me, my mind, to then everything that comes out of this person's mouth, oh, it must be true because I have this reference point of a moment when they were speaking truth. But what I'm beginning to realize more and more is that we all, all of us have moments of profound truth and clarity, and we all have moments of complete hogwash at the same time. Human experience. Do you feel like the guru is, that you've known in your experience has been um, that that they did study truth with a, with, an, with a true heart, or was it more like esoteric knowledge for the sake of manipulation? Or how do you think they came to understand that which is true? That is an epic question. <laughs> that is an epic question. And answer or no answer? <laughs> Sarah's just about to hand it over. <laughs> yeah. I think it could be unique to the variety of people that fall into the spectrum, right? Some people may have an experience of seeking truth authentically, really going down that path and then er, a little detour. Oh, the power feels good. People really like me. Wow. I'm now that I'm sitting in a throne. Oh goodness. Wow. They're bowing to me at my feet, like flowers everywhere I go. I don't even have to comb my own hair. Wow. Right. So it could just go from, from this from point A to point B, I think pretty quickly. And then I feel like there's others who are literally seeing a, an opportunity like, okay, I, this is, I, I got what it takes. I'm charismatic. Um, I always wanted to be an actor. I can play this part. Sounds like a dangerous um, trap to fall into. 
Because as you said, Sarah, there is an element of truth that you're sensing and it's resonating and it's opening you up and I'm sure you're seeing results in your life. You're seeing a sense of inner peace and you're flourishing in so many ways. But And also it's it can be subtle, this form of manipulation. Well, I have a question for all of us actually, for anyone who wants to answer. And that is, how do you discern when someone is coming to you with information that is difficult to empirically um, empirically know or learn, how do you, how do you sense if what they're presenting is actually true or not? How do we investigate or learn to investigate truths for ourselves that are often obscure? Such a crucial question. Um, but I mean, for me, I know I go by something which I call the law of resonance, right? So if I feel a, that deep sense of resonance in my bones, I move towards it. If I don't feel it or if I feel any dissonance at all, then it's a no, you know? And um, yeah, that's how I move because even just even in the news, even in things which are supposed to be true, it's like some things don't feel right. And you have to just kind of resonance test every bit of information. I want to push back on that a little bit because I have a similar process and mm -hmm. I know we all do. Mm -hmm. So how do we knowing, like I'm a, I'm a pretty conditioned person. Mm -hmm. I have moments where I feel connected to my heart and I make a decision. And then later on, I realize, oh, that was not my actual heart. That was, I was influenced by my own conditioning, by what I thought was my heart, um, but it turned out not to be. So when we're in that process of discerning, what are, I mean, it's, it's an art. I think it's becoming a, t a master of knowing the difference of your heart and your head. Yes. And so we have a whole life to practice that and to figure it out. And a lot of the time we figure that out the hard way. When you follow the head, you know, you get a specific result. And usually when you follow the heart, you get a different result. Life flows, life opens, things line up. It, it turns out to be a pretty beautiful scenario usually. So I would say to your question, Sarah, just be a student in recognizing the voice of your head and the voice of your heart. And as you said, Jenna, it's all in a feeling. Like I can... I now know the difference between my conditioning mm. and my ego and fear, let's call it, and then the knowing of my heart, my inner wisdom and love and let that be the compass to the choices you make in your life. I completely agree with that. And just on that note, it's like um, maybe if you, if you are experiencing um, a bit of truth which is coming from your heart. And then you know in the aftermath that this piece of truth really came from my heart, just taking stock of what that feels like. Yeah. You know, I know you're going to say the same thing, but, um, and then when you come around something that, that wasn't really your heart, but it was conditioning, what does that feel like? And what's the difference? You know, I'd like well, to add also just around the piece of the heart, because the heart in my experience has many layers to it, right? So from which perspective are we accessing our heart and how deep inside of our heart are we accessing our discernment and that you know part of what we're doing at Jonah Spark is really um, supporting that flexing of the muscle of discernment right which is what I hear we're talking about mm -hmm. in that exists like gold in the pure center of our heart mm -hmm. what are some tools you would offer someone in a spark session for example who came to you with the question, how do I practice discernment? How do I come to know the language of my heart? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things we offer in Spark Sessions specifically is a introduction to and it's always an introduction because all of us are always learning, no matter how many times we've practiced listening, um, to relating to what is going on inside, taking inventory. So part of a spark session is taking a moment to actually connect with what is really true in the present moment. Because we can be full, I know for myself, full of theories about um what I should do or how to go to my heart versus my head, but to actually ground that into the present moment requires taking a moment intentionally for self-inquiry. So that's one way is by taking inventory, starting with what is going on inside of me right now? What are the thoughts I'm having? What are the feelings that I'm having? And where are those thoughts and feelings leading me? Mindfulness 101. Mm -hmm. Nice one. Yeah. Are there any rituals and practices you would suggest someone start applying to to get closer to um, recognizing that and refining that muscle towards knowing the difference between the heart and the head? I have something. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple things. So first thing is something that Anna Brown had mentioned, which is that she starts the morning with a meditation in which she sinks her consciousness into her heart. And she just stays there for like 20 minutes. She sets her phone for 20 minutes. And she just is like, what is going on in my heart? Like I am my deepest heart. And she just keeps her consciousness in her heart. Mm-hmm. So that could be one tool. Another thing that works for me, I'll just put it out there, is actually a meditative practice of shielding and connecting to the divine and the earth. And the reason that helps me, it's because to me that shields low vibration and it kind of opens communication with um, true spiritual forces if you command your personal space and you only invite the high vibrational spiritual forces in. So it could work or could not work for someone, but. Also a simple little practice of gratitude. I think Sarah and I are in the right family (laughs) for that, the gratitude family. But simple little starting your day with listing five things you're most grateful for, I feel like that is the gateway to the language of the heart. And that kind of pushes out the negativity and fear and control and projection into the future of the past of the mind. So I think something like that could be a cute, simple little tool. Yeah, I was I also love writing. I love the practice of self-inquiry and asking myself questions and then answering them in haiku. In haiku <laughs> and beyond. I I really feel like there's such a a powerful way to access information by just asking ourselves the questions that we're seeking answers to. I love that because that strengthens the knowing that you have the answers within you, which I know Jonas Spark is all about, that you are your source of eternal wisdom. So that's brilliant. I really started getting into the power of um, prayer to myself and and including a greater universal wisdom in that. And I was quite amazed at the results. I would be very specific and clear on a question, and then I would see it coming towards me in signs and symbols and nature and uh, just a vision in my head, a feeling in my heart. And the more I asked the question, the more the answer was refined and that's when the resonance test would come in. Is this a figment of my ego and linear mind saying these are the steps to get there? Or is this a configuration of a greater, deeper wisdom 
that I'm co-creating with something, you know, bigger than my little human mind. Just a little thought. I was going to ask you guys. So I love that out of your story that you told us that you have risen from the dead and created this platform in which it's all about empowering the guru within. So I I wonder if you guys could tell us a little bit about some of your principles of the guru-free approach, maybe, just so that they can have an idea of what that entails. Well, the first principle is who we are being matters. And this to me just encompasses everything, right? So let's say I'm the CEO of Jonas Spark, right? The founder, um, the the vision of Jonas Spark came through like a volcano, I like to share, and because it actually did. It was very hot, very feminine, a powerful, a fire, and it was like a mountain, and there was nowhere else to go except for to be with it. And what I realized in that, there is a, there is a responsibility with bringing a vision to life. And who I am being matters my thoughts, my emotions, my words, my actions matter. And the same as a mother, right? Who you are being matters because everything that you are being is being observed. <laughs> and and so I really, I took that as, as such a, a beautiful gift, that uh, awareness. And as our first principle, who I'm being matters who I'm being with my co-founders, Sarah and Evan Mack, who uh, is not here on the podcast today, uh, but is just uh, such a bright star uh, on our on our team, that who we are being together matters. Who Sarah is being matters. Who we are being together matters. Who we are being then with the rest of our team matters. Who each one of us is being who each one of us is being matters. And then who we are being with our greater community, right? It all matters. Every single ounce of it matters. Um, and so from that, building a company, building, which is just a vehicle for us to bring forth the transformation of ourselves. We're in this, as students, we're learning alongside with everyone that is part of Jonah Spark, right? As in, we're not the guru, right? We all have something to share and to learn with each other, to upgrade, to uplift from the inside. So we're all in this. Um, but who we are being matters is really the the primary principle. I'm so into that principle. And just on an energetic evaluation, who you are being will manifest physically and take form out in the world. And then that's going to be representing your brand and you. And so I think at this day and age where the the veil is getting lifted <laughs> massively, I, which I believe is an invitation to a higher consciousness globally for everyone. But I think that someone who says they are one way, but then really is showing up with their employees, with their, their guests or whoever it may be. Uh, we can't do that anymore. We're moving away from the age of things easily hidden and into the world of transparency. And I think that that doesn't work on an energetic level. It's kind of like the quote, um, be the change you want to see in the world, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's such a powerful thing. Okay, so we've said who we're being matters a lot of times just right now in the last couple of seconds, but I just want to say one other thing on it. And um, we just had a Spark Session facilitator training, our first, and one of the participants 
love just highlighted how much she loved this this first principle who were being matters and she broke it down in a way that I really loved it's similar to what you just said that who we're being so who I'm being in this moment my thoughts my emotions my attitudes my actions everything going on inside of me who I'm being matters it comes into form it comes into matter itself and not just that it's reflected back to you becoming your experience with people corporations love health all of that so you better be representing the love and light if you want love and light back totally principal <laughs> a her sister um uh do we have a number two on the list we do. We have 10 principles. Woo-hoo! Let's choose another one. I did already mention that there's new ways of learning and teaching that empower individuals. So looking at that one a little bit closer, new ways of learning. Okay, I can learn from this person without giving my power away. So that is an exercise in itself, right? How do we receive information from someone we admire and yet stay in our center and stay in who we are being, right? Take what resonates, leave the rest. Yep. That's what Lisa Renee would say. And then new ways of teaching. So imagine that uh, those who have already kind of created empires on this guru model, having an awareness of, oh, wow, I'm actually drawing all of this power away from the people. And maybe that isn't in, maybe that's not correct for Mm -hmm. me to be doing that anymore. I still feel that I have things to share. How can I share what my experience is without sucking the vitality out of all of these people? (laughs) So that's keeping one's integrity in check, having the sense of self-observation where you can see, oh, this is a personal gain. I better watch that. Right. So the guru-free philosophy can be not only for those of us who are watching out for gurus, but it can also be kind of a rehabilitation for those who are already sitting in that seat. And just a rehabilitation note is um, the return to rightful owner command. I don't know if you guys know that, but that's a command, um, which I can link to these show notes where you command back any energy that's been taken from you. So if you're in a situation where you've been being sucked by a guru or anyone else, you can call back your energy to you because that's your divine right. And we also, we mentioned there's no inferiority or superiority, right? Because we all have something to share with each other, authentic expression. We believe that every single one of us has a message in our heart, right? So we want to create a platform to be able to hear what that message is. Uh, love is who we are. It's at the center of where we we act from. And self-care for society is another one that I really love because we've, we've all been talking more about self-care lately and the importance of that, but not self-care just to luxuriate in our own self-care, but self-care for society so that we can be more of service. Mm. Totally. Here, here. What would self-care for society look like? Just give me a little vision. um, Self-care for society to me is taking responsibility for my life taking responsibility for my life, which then allows me to take better care of myself and everyone else. Mm. Maybe it has something to do with intention behind self-care because for example, like I don't, I might be so compassionate that I run myself down trying to help people, but then I'm not able to fully step into my mission because I don't have the energy or the wherewithal to do that. So to take care of myself is to be of service. 
And also you're just by being that you're encouraging others to, to step into that as well. Hopefully. And if we, we can't serve from an empty cup either. So we've got to take care of ourselves first in order to. Speaking like a true mother. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Another one of our principles is egoless collaboration, right? It's a tall order. Um, but it's definitely there for our awareness and to for us to really check ourselves. From where am I navigating? From where am I communicating? From where am I relating to my team, to my community? Once again, you would have to really be familiar with the voice of the ego and what that looks like and what is the voice of the heart in order to recognize that role and practice it. And also just, again, looking at intention. What are your intentions behind a collaboration? Is it to, to grow rich and be powerful or is it to truly help the world, which needs help right now? And we are so good at convincing ourselves that, well, I'm doing this for the good of the world, but really you're, you're running from the program of scarcity. I need to make money no matter how that looks, and but it's helping people as well. So I think that it's the inner work which you guys are inviting people into is so important to have that as a base foundation, as a platform, a launch pad to then create things in the world and to be a certain person with intention in the world. Yeah. I also want to just speak to that because there's nothing wrong with making money. And uh, Jonas Park is a business. And really people ask me all the time, why not a nonprofit? Um, Well, a business is something that we can all relate to. It's a universal language, right? We either own one, work for one, or buy products for one. We can all understand what is a business. And in the best case scenario, it's transparent. And so a business is neutral, right? It's just neutral through which you can then bring forth so many different um, amazing gifts. Yeah. So Jonas Park is a business. And um, we do that in a way that we can create structure and we can build and we can regenerate through income and we can expand and bring forth what we want to bring. It's... um, it's, you know, and nonprofits can do that also. However, nonprofits, you're constantly having to depend on the generosity of others, which is also a very beautiful practice. I've done that in the past. It's just not what I was up for this time. I love this conversation, by the way, about money not being a dirty word. It is an exchange of energy. And I think that we don't have to be afraid of it. And it's part of the game of earth. And also that back to Sarah's concept of you can't dole out from an empty cup. Like you need to have enough to be able to take care of yourself to help, to help others. And it, when you're putting your heart and soul into a business like you guys are, and we are, it's like, you need to have that, that recompense, you know, you need that back. So only fair. I know you got something to say, Sarah. (laughs) Well, it's something that I've really do a lot of inner seeking around and I don't actually have an answer. I just have a continued self-exploration, but it's one that I'm allowing to be an exploration and at the same time following what's in integrity for me personally, but still being willing to discover the places where I'm, I could be wrong. And that's exciting to me because I know we all need a world where we can see in the world on the larger scale, the impact of when we're driven by selfish motivation just making money in this case. Um, so, But there's, there's also, I think there's like a very subtle difference of philosophies when, you know, that we're discussing money being something that 
comes from greed and comes from power and comes from the ego compared to money being a a natural element that we're living in in today's society and can actually be created from a heart space and from doing something that you're designed to do and share that comes from love that is helping others and being of service to the greater good of humanity. And part of a spiritual practice of self-worth and opening and allowing flow in your world, I think money is an inescapable element of, of reality on earth. So I think that part of the spiritual journey is to allow that flow into your life as long as it's coming in my opinion just having the self-observation to know what is motivating you to make that money and how you're making that money counts yes it's a it's such a great topic because on the topic of guru culture let's say one of the red flags to look out for though is are you doling out thousands and thousands of dollars to get closer to god mm-hmm. not necessary red flag <laughs> red yeah. flag and with money just one more thing about it it's like the how i feel it's like the bad guys have the money right now and they're doing bad things with it like like may god take the money away from the bad guys and give it to the good guys right i'm open to that <laughs> we're working on that personally we're working on a very <laughs> Very intense strategy to um, break those guys down. We all are. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Maybe we'll do an episode on it at some point. But for now, it's a secret domination mission. Okay, we're going to be wrapping up. Do you guys, do you have any more favorite principles you just want to bang out for us? Well, another principle is uh, reflection of inner light. And this comes back to what Sarah was sharing around our spark sessions So we provide mirroring through active listening where the woman receiving the session gains further access to her own personal insights that are then reflected back to her, which is super empowering, right? So we're really excited about that. We've just launched our Spark sessions. Um, As Sarah mentioned, we just had our first virtual Spark facilitator training. And so we're really excited just to bring uh, more Joan of Spark into our greater community. I'm curious to know what happens during a spark session. I think our listeners would be interested too. I think you'll have to book one. <laughs> there we go. There's leprechaun over there. You need to book one too. No, but like what Ciela said, there's, and what I was kind of pointing to earlier, there's a process of taking inventory. There's a series of questions. You're invited to go deeper into yourself through the reflection of another, unlike therapy, which can lend itself towards offering advice, giving you the answers. It really invites um, self-inquiry, self-discovery. I, I just had a spark session earlier today. And at the end of her session, she said, wow, I didn't realize how far I've come in my process until just taking this, this inventory till at the end of the session. And she said, it just feels really good. So yeah. I have to tell you, it is such a simple practice of just listening and allowing space without distraction or advice or stimuli coming in for that person to just hear themselves. And in that hearing of themselves and feeling of themselves without any projections, that's the key to unraveling the issue. And that's the key to the healing. But it's a, it's a skill. It's an art to withhold your own you just got to do ABC and then you'll be fine. And this is just what you got to do. But allowing that space for someone else to hear themselves is so powerful. It's brilliant that you guys are applying that. 
Yeah, you just touched on something super important because living in this age of digital addiction and then looking to our phones for the solution and we get caught up in false paradise with social media. Oh, there's and, a formula for everything. Yeah, and the comparison hell that's literally wrecking women today, um, not just women either, um, but to have an experience of feeling seen and heard. And that's really the essence of this, what the Spark Session provides. And I can imagine what a privilege it is being a facilitator of that session because not only are you observing someone discover the answers to their own questions, but you yourself are getting the reflection of your own yes. queries and yes. the remedy for your own um, things that you're dealing with, your own triggers and wounds. And a blessing for the person that gets to have a session with you guys, because just even sitting with you guys is like, is the medicine, you know? Likewise. I'm feeling healed right now. <laughs> Me too. Healed. <laughs> healed, baby. Come on, bust one out. Sarah's got the best voice on earth. Come on, Sarah. No, I'm just oh, kidding. girl. Damn, baby. Really Spiritual good. clap. Spiritual clap. Really <laughs> oh, my God. I love you guys. So we're running, unfortunately, short on time. Not that time even exists. It's just a figment <laughs> of the linear mind. But is there anything else that you guys would like to add to this conversation that you think is a, a grand embellishment before we wrap up? I just want to give a shout out to our team, our team of Jonas Spark, who um, are just such a fun fundamental piece to this whole essence, right? Evan Mack and Sage, Nicola, Noemi um, are here with us, are here with Sarah and I today. Great names too. Mm. So where can everyone get involved in Joan of Spark? Tell us, tell us where yeah. to find you, how to get involved, your website. Well, the fun thing is that Joan of Spark is actually spelt like Joan of Arc because the inspiration is also drawn from Joan of Arc, the archetype. So Joan of Spark with a C. You can go to our website, our Instagram. We've got Twitter, all the good things. And we're going to be linking all that to the show notes too so you can easily find them. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be signing up and for yeah. a Spark session. Me too. I want a Spark session. And be reporting back. Maybe we can have a double one that'll be powerful there'll be a volcano just like Ciela's one that no, she had before you're a leo i need my own spark session <laughs> that's true i'll accidentally dominate don't mean to okay <laughs> sorry back to it so that is it thank you so much for joining us i adore both of you i'm in love with you i'm in love with your mission thank you for doing what you're doing it is this is the time this is a time we all need support and resources to dive into that inner world in order to manifest the change in the outer worlds. So thank you once again. So that is it. Oh, you guys are epic. Thank Aww, you. We love you guys. It's such a and pleasure to be in your presence. It is. Oh, we're just a reflection of you. We're all mirroring each other. We're bouncing around the, the light in the room. So so that concludes our episode for today. Thank you, all you curious light beings that are jumping in on this conversation. We appreciate your heart and we appreciate you wanting to make a difference in the world with us. Please leave a review. Tell us how you liked this episode. Share it and we will have you with us next week. Ta-ta for now. Can't wait.
good. Bust it out. Jenna, don't shut me down. I don't even think about switching that music off. Just start to get into it. Come on, come on, Sarah. Give me some singing. Come on. That wasn't Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> come on. That was great.